How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob DeMello and joining me, my man, RJ Hollis, Spectrum Sports Analyst and former Rainbow Warrior offensive lineman, filling in for Rich Miano and RJ. It was an interesting Saturday in Halaba this past weekend. We were there for the Spectrum Sports broadcast where the University of Hawaii improved the 3-1 on the year with a 35-16 win over Central Arkansas. After the game, head coach Nick Rolovich explained that it was probably the least satisfying, most somber locker room he's ever been a part of following a win. What are your initial thoughts on hearing that? Well, I mean, from an outside perspective, you wouldn't believe that it's a good thing to be somber after a loss. But in my honest opinion, this just means that this UH football team has created expectations for itself. They set a standard that they know they need to reach week in and week out. And although they came away with the win, they know that truly they did not reach the expectations they have set for themselves. And in my opinion, that's a great thing to have because now you have players who aren't just satisfied with winning, meaning they want to always make sure they go out and give their best effort. They want to always make sure they go out and complete their assignments and do everything they can to make sure they have a perfect game. So to have a somber locker room after a win, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I just think these kids expect more out of themselves. Now, a big reason to that attitude and to that reaction to a victory over Central Arkansas is the continued issue with turnovers, being bit by the turnover bug here this season in 2019. They had four uh, turnovers or four potential turnovers. You had two muff punts by Jared Smart. You had two fumbles by Miles Reed. And you had an interception by Cole McDonald. So it ended up being four turnovers, a potential of five, I should have said, um, with one takeaway, which now takes the University of Hawaii football team to minus 12 on the season in turnover margin. That ranks dead last in college football. How much of a concern is that? Do you look at it as this team is 3-1 and one, despite being minus 12? That is incredible. Imagine what they could be if they cut that down. Or are you starting to look at it as this is just who this team is. They don't protect the football. You know, Nick Rolovich talks about live Aloha, play Warrior. Maybe there's a team that just lives Aloha, play Aloha because they keep <laughs> just giving it away. No, no. And um, I think this relates back a lot to the last question you just asked. You know, they had a somber locker room because they know even though they won, they gave the ball away four times. They know that's not going to cut it against Boise State, against Air Force, teams that you're going to have to see in conference. You cannot go out there and give the ball away four times and expect to come away with a win, much less not getting blown out. So, you know, Cole McDonald last year only had 10 interceptions. Right now, I think he's matched that number or he's one below. Yeah, he's so got I nine. find it very hard to believe that with a year of him getting bigger, faster, and stronger, that his game digressed. I honestly believe that the somber feeling they had in the win after that locker room with these turnovers they are getting, that's a correlation. It's going together, and they know they need to play more assignment perfect football they need to be able to go back to whatever it was they were doing before where they could get all these passes going I mean just this time last year Cole McDonald was almost up to 13 touchdowns before he threw his first interception there wasn't this many footballs getting put on the ground and I believe like I said earlier that connects to this somber attitude that's in this locker room I mean when you come off of a season last year and they return 18 players that played last year, so they all remember this. They were 6-1 and one at one point in 2018 and ended with an 8-5 and five record and a bowl game loss at home. 
So even though you've seen the successes of a run and shoot, you've seen the yards get put up, you've seen the touchdowns get scored, you've gotten your national recognition, whether it be JoJo Ward, Cedric Berg, Cole McDonald, anything they've done from that offense, they see the benefits of it. But now they know with the amount of turnovers they're putting out there right now, they need to figure out how to get back to that assignment friendly mistake free football that's going to not only be able to put up points but also prevent them from being dead last in turnovers the kind of turnovers that that you see here recently and you know the cole mcdonald interception against central arkansas i think if you ask the coaching staff you ask cole they can live with that interception because there's one-on-one coverage. You went for the deep ball, and it was a great play made by the Bears cornerback where sometimes you just got to remember that every time Hawaii makes a mistake, a mistake doesn't mean that it's something that Hawaii did. You got to give credit to the opponent. Incredible interception made right there. So I think you can live with that. It's the muff punts that, that's a little scary. It's Miles Reed fumbling the ball twice, and especially on the last one where he leaves his feet when you've already gotten a first down. I mean, it, like I said earlier, it, it, is this something that can be taught that, you know, in regards to some of those turnovers being able to be removed? I, I definitely feel it. It's almost down to a technique thing. I mean, Pre-game before the Spectrum show, Nick Rolovich spoke of Colt McDonald sometimes stepping outside of the offense. Miles Bam Bam Reed, when you see him at practice, he's 100% go. He wants to give it every single thing he's got. So I know for a fact he didn't grab that ball saying, oh, well, let me just give it back to Central Arkansas. <laughs> he didn't jump up in the air and expect to come down and lose the ball. That extra effort he gave in that move just kind of speaks about his character. He wants to get as many yards per carry as he can. The same thing relating to Cole McDonald wanting to get as many yards passing as he can. And yes, you can get excitable. And at moments like this, you need to go back to your technique. You need to go back to learning your high and tight, have the ball up in your chest, and you never lose those because once you go to trying to make the extra spin moves, the double and triple jumps, that's where the risk becomes prevalent because now you're starting to forget about the technique with the ball. You're starting to forget about the assignments, the route trees, the defensive coverages, and you're kind of trying to make your own thing happen, which at certain aspects, it's good. But for the most part, you just want to stick to the program. I know you wanted Miles Reed wanted to break that runoff for a 30-yard touchdown and go to the sideline and throw up Gatorade and swim mm-hmm. around his towel and, you know, be absolutely ecstatic. But at the end of the day, like you said, sometimes you just got to get the first down. Sometimes you just got to get the five yards. Sometimes you just got to throw the slant, even if you think you can get that deep nine route. You got to stick to the fundamentals because that's what the game plan is for. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Cole McDonald, the quarterback for the Rainbow Warriors, 25 to 32, 300 yards passing, four touchdowns, and we talked about the one interception. Uh, I think it's safe to say this was the cleanest game of the season. This is the game that you saw Cole command the offense the most because you saw his moments against Arizona and Oregon State where it was spectacular and then it was head-scratching. This was the game where he just seemed to be the most comfortable. It's funny because when the game was over, I still got messages, and especially when I asked people to send in uh, questions for Bo's football final, where there was a question where it seemed like there was frustration towards Cole McDonald based on the scoreless third quarter on the second half where the offense kind of stalled. And, you know, when you look at why the offense stalled, there, there were a couple of fumbles, there, you know, there, there were mishaps uh, that, that had nothing to do with Cole McDonald. Um, how did you feel about Cole's performance against Central Arkansas? Because, again, remember, 
the Bows and our Mountain West Conference play this week, so he needs to be right heading into this week. I honestly think out of Cole McDonald, this was one of his best games all year. Statistically, it'll show that it's his highest completion percentage, also his highest QBR for this season. So that in itself speaks to what Cole McDonald did on Saturday. To me, one of the biggest things that steps out is that offensively, in his four passing touchdowns, he threw it to four different receivers, which not only shows his versatility of spreading the ball around, but also helps alleviate that, you know, not one trick poniness, but the two headed monster that is Jojo Ward and Cedric Bird. He was slinging it around more. It seemed that he was a little bit more calm this game. Like I said, highest QBR, highest completion percentage means that when he was dropping back to pass, he's making better decisions. He only put up one interception, which, like you said, that, you know, there's good plays that the defense is going to make. And this was not a bad Central Arkansas team that came into Aloha Stadium. So nobody think that. Do not think this was a terrible team that came in here on Saturday. Yes, it was an FCS team. Yes, you should have won, maybe even by more points. But as far as the performance by Cole McDonald, I think this is one of his best games in the season and is a great foundation going forward in the Mountain West play. You mentioned Cole spreading the wealth. Four different receivers caught touchdown passes. Five different receivers in total caught his 25 passes. Jared Smart, eight catches, 121 yards. You have Cedric Bird, six catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Jason Matthew Sharsh had five catches for 67, but no touchdowns. But one guy I want to ask about specifically, Lincoln Victor, who introduced himself to the Rainbow Warrior football Ohana and the Go Bows Nation with his three catches, 33 yards, and a touchdown. And really all three of those catches were impressive because in the first half, he had an over-the-shoulder catch. In, and then in the fourth quarter, he fought his way for yards in the fourth quarter, which essentially sealed the deal for the Bows. How impressed were you with number 85, a guy who we don't know moving forward how much playing time he's going to get because of the red shirt rule where you can play him in four games. He's already played in two and still hold on to that freshman status. Uh, we don't know what we're going to see out of him moving forward, but we know what we saw out of him in, in his first real action. What were your thoughts on 85? For Lincoln Victor, for me, scrap the stats. Don't even worry about the three catches, 33 yards. Don't even worry about the numbers, period. Go back and watch the film. When this kid touches the football, there's a nastiness, a, a, an aggression of his running. And if you look at it, on that fourth quarter touchdown, he catches the ball at the seven-yard line with three Central Arkansas defensive players in front of him. By the time he makes it to the four-yard line, two have made contact. By the time he makes it to the one-yard line, three have made contact. And Spectrum Sports commentator, uh, Rob Kekala, he doesn't even get excited until he's already across the pylon, which nothing against him. That was not supposed to be a touchdown at all. And that in itself, coming from the physicality, the flex he gave in the end zone, that just showed you his mental of not being denied. And I think that's a mentality that kind of needs to creep its way all into the offense. I would never have said before Lincoln Victor touched the ball, this offense needs to be more physical because it never dawned on me. You really didn't see too many plays that required the physicality of what Lincoln Victor did in that fourth quarter touchdown. But when you see it done, and I had to watch film over and over again last night, he catches the ball at the seven, fresh out of high school with three guys that have already played in his line of vision. 
and has the wherewithal to not be denied his touchdown. You know what he said? He said, I need that. <laughs> not I want it. I need it. I need to get into the end zone. And even though he only had 33 yards catching, that one seven-yard reception could replace almost 70 yards of a big bomb play that could replace a 25-yard slant if you're open. I don't even care what route it is. Just to be able to have that much fight as a true freshman going through three defenders, I mean, that just speaks miles of this kid's mentality and what he's going to be able to bring to this team, not only physically, but later on when he becomes a leader and his motor spreading into that offense. I think if everybody gets that mentality, you might be looking at a really deadly offense. The reigning Associated Press Washington State Prep Football Player of the Year for a reason. And, and what's interesting is everyone talks about you know the, 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 how strong a program is, is how deep you are at the important units, offensive line and receiver just full of youth, full of guys that could step in at any given notice. And when you look at the, the, the receivers moving forward, when you have a Cedric Bird and JoJo Ward being seniors, not to get too ahead of yourselves, but you got Jonah Pinoke, Chance Byer, both out of St. Louis, running that run and shoot their entire lives in practice, look phenomenal. Lincoln Victor looks phenomenal in training camp and in practice. And, and then you add a Nick Mardner and James Phillips. These are young receivers that that really, if, if need be, can step into that offense and be contributors right away. So that is a very positive sign. Another positive sign is that the defense continues to be able to maneuver through the mistakes of the offense. We mentioned the minus 12 turnover ratio and Hawaii still being 3-1. and one. I think you have to turn and look at the defense and say that is why they're a 3-1. and one. Now, is the defense perfect? No, by no stretch of the imagination are they perfect. But you can't turn the ball over 12 times on offense and still win football games unless you have a defense that rises to the occasion. What do you think of this UH defense as you get ready for conference play this Saturday? I mean, this defense personifies, I think, the main attribute of this UH football team. And I believe that word is resiliency. I finished my career there in 2016, and most of the seniors that are here now were on that team, and they seen the losses we had to overcome. A lot of those kids were backups to players who were playing on a team that wasn't even winning, and they stuck through, made it to their 8-5 and five season, and now they're starting to build some sort of momentum, some sort of resilience, and all that getting back to this defense. Pene Pavihi is out. Mm-hmm. Ikamo Keke is out. Kai Kaneshiro is in street clothes by the fourth quarter, and they managed to hold a team that was known for its passing game to very little passing yards. So right now what you are starting to see is there's resilience become personified when players like Darius Moussao can step up instantly and help. Yes, Darius is a great player, but I have a feeling those linebackers do not give him the feeling that he is going to fail. I feel like when he plays next to a Solomon Maltatia, to a Kanai Pacanto, they're giving him direction on what he needs to do. When you have Kaimana Padello going from the DN back to the linebacker, Derek Thomas, DN back to the linebacker, all these kids that can play a multitude of positions, they really don't care about doing anything but their assignment. And right now that is showing because even when they do give up big plays, even when they do start to slowly get chipped at with either a run game or a pass game, they always manage to find a way to step up. And not only do they step up, but they step up in important times, whether it be the Khalil Tate tackle at the one yard line, whether it be Cortez Davis getting beat 
five yards on a double move and then coming back to knock it out of the hands of Isaiah Hodgins against Oregon State. So these kids are showing that resiliency, and I feel like the defense is personifying it even more because irregardless of mistakes, irregardless of what happens, you have to go out there and do your thing. And right now I feel like Corey Batoon has got these guys in a mental that even if they start to lose players, even if they have to replace people, even if they have to see an offense that they've never seen before, they're just going to zip it up, put that mouthpiece in, lace up that chin strap, and go out there and do what they can to bring a victory home. Well, the Bows are going to have to do their thing this Saturday on the road in Reno as they begin their quest for a Mountain West Conference title, which would be their first since 2010. You look at this Nevada Wolfpack team, a team that year in, year out, no matter what their record is, is always a tough matchup for, for the University of Hawaii. That's going back to when Nick Rolovich was the offensive coordinator on that team. It goes back to when Chris Alt was the head coach of that team. And then it goes back to as recent as last year where they came in and played a, what was it, a 6-1, six 6-2 and six and six and Hawaii football team in Aloha Stadium with John Ursua and Jelani Tavai on the roster and handed them a big-time loss. So now you got to go on the road, and this is a Nevada team that, as usual, can run the football. They average about 135 yards a game, which is below their, their normal uh, average because they also are throwing the ball a little bit more this year. But they have two capable running backs, and they have a quarterback who played last week that went for over 100 yards. That's going to be the challenge this week, you imagine, right, is can the UH defense stop the Nevada running game? What are your thoughts on this Wolfpack team? Well, overall, with this team, the first thing we got to say is that Hawaii celebrates beating a Power 5 team. Nevada did it, too. Yeah. Hawaii can celebrate being undefeated at home, but so can Nevada. So you got to understand, this is a team that, even though on paper they may not have the weapons, they may not have, you know, the offense stylistically to put up a lot of points, you have to go on the road to Reno, and they are not going to give you anything. And the biggest kryptonite of a good passing game for one offense is a strong running game by the another offense so if nevada can figure out a way to get this running game going and keep cole mcdonald and this offense off the field that'll fall right into their hands and not only do they have the kryptonite of your offense they're at home where they've already beat a purdue team and they gave up about 400 yards passing you are very familiar with playing Nevada. There's a grittiness that comes with this Reno team, especially when you go up on the road. It's going to be a night game, prime time on national television. It's going to be a little chilly as far as the weather goes. Not to generalize what a Nevada football team is like because when you're playing, they're playing under a different coaching staff. But yet, when you watch this team play, it just seems like your typical Nevada football team. What is that typical Nevada football team from a play player's experience? A typical Nevada Reno team is gritty. Gritty. And I say this next word not in a disrespectful way, but grimy, mm. as in a way where whatever they got to do to get that victory, they're going to do it. We went, UH went up to Nevada in 2015 and led that game 17-0 and lost. 6-2 and two last year, they came down here and beat UH 40-22. to 22. Mm -hmm. And in both of those instances, UH was the better team and lost. So that right there just speaks to the grittiness of this Nevada Reno team. I mean, not always putting out good players. I mean, they had Colin Kaepernick 
a couple years ago and they had one solid quarterback in 2012 but other than that you're getting a lot of kids who are overlooked who are trying to go to a school that wants to accept them as a player who are in that locker room trying to make a name for themselves and it shows when they go out against teams like Purdue and put up a win because even though they beat the power five team of Purdue they struggled against Weber State which is an FCS team which is identical to what the Bulls have done themselves by beating two power five teams and winning not the way they thought they should have against the FCS team. And losing to a cream of the crop Pac-12 team because Hawaii lost to Washington and Nevada lost to Oregon. I mean, right now yeah, you're pretty is... much looking at a mirror on paper and even though you got the powerful pass, they got the powerful run, do not think that this team is not going to give you everything you can handle. And the biggest thing is that you're going into their house. We were up 17-0, but between the home crowd, that grittiness, that energy, they managed to climb all the way back and beat us. So this is a Nevada team you better respect, especially heading into their house. It's interesting how the schedule matches up. And like RJ explained, this Nevada and Hawaii team is like that Spider-Man meme where the, the two Spider-Mans <laughs> are looking at you, each other. You, but you're me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, exactly. very similar as far as schedule goes. And the schedule is not going to get any easier for the University of Hawaii football team because after this road game against Nevada, they get a week off to recover, whether it's a win or a loss. And then you go on the road at nationally ranked Boise State. Then you got to play our Air Force team at home that just knocked off Colorado in the Pac-12. You know, a little bit, a few weeks after that, San Jose State, San Jose State, San Jose State, people. who beat Arkansas, an SEC team, on the road. So this this Mountain West Conference is legit this year, and the University of Hawaii has to prepare for that. But again, it all starts this Saturday, 4:30 Hawaii time on ESPN2 against Nevada, the Wolfpack, and the Rainbow Warriors, both three and one. Uh, and last check, the Bows are two and a half point underdogs in this game on the road, which pretty much says that this is a pick 'em because they're on the road and for it to be two and a half. All right, so it is time to go into our Bose football final mailbox. I had people send in questions, comments. You can do that by finding me on Instagram, at Rob DeMello, at Rob DeMello K-H-O-N on Twitter, and then on Facebook, at Rob DeMello K-H-O-N. But the best, easiest way is Instagram, at Rob DeMello, because you can find me in the story and just click a comment right there, and uh, we'll be able to make the way here to Bose football final. So, RJ, the very first question is regarding the Hawaii defense. They entered the game against Central Arkansas with just one sack out of the defensive line. You had one more sack against Central Arkansas, both coming from Kaimana Pedello, both pre-Central Arkansas and post-Central Arkansas. So the question is, would you like to see Hawaii's defense blitz more, the risk and reward of blitzing more or continuing what you're doing right now? What are your thoughts? Well, I think Corey Batoon right now has a game plan that he's sticking to. And one of the biggest things that destroys a lot of football teams is when you deviate from the game plan. So I feel like there should be more blitzes, but not for the sake of blitzing to say we did it. Not for the sake of blitzing to say, oh yeah, well at least we're making them nervous. Cortez Davis and Rojessamine Ferris have probably been the best man-on-man -man duo coverage cornerbacks I've seen in a while at UH. So they definitely have the ability to send guys in and trust those DBs to do it. But what you don't want to do is constantly send the pressure and start deviating away from your game plan because not only do blitzes open you up to 
deep passes, but if a run makes a way around that blitz and there's nobody there before DBs, the chances are that run is going to go through your blitz. So even though you do have the, re the reward of getting a quarterback, that's only stopping one play. You would rather have a strong game plan and be able to fight all four quarters than to go head on in the blitzing world and then end up being down 21 points in the first half just because you wanted to blitz. All right, the next question is in regards to the student section at Aloha Stadium. Great turnout. Uh, really over the last couple of home games, especially this home game. The question, though, is why are the students leaving at halftime? And I'm not even going to ask you that question. Uh, I'm just gonna, They're 18 to 22-year-old <laughs> kids, yeah, right? Right. Who, who are drink? well, the ones that are 21 and over are drinking. <laughs> yeah, um, that way. And, and, you know, at halftime, I mean, you, you can't predict and you can't force an 18 to 22-year-old kid to do anything. Trust me. I mean, you yeah. know, no, I yes, know. The American people know it. Yes, right? most definitely. So... I mean, they're going to leave. That's just going to happen. Maybe it was a super exciting game against a brand-name opponent. You know, you get them to stick around. I think the most important thing is, I mean, the game starts. They're there. They're being loud. And really, the ones that stick around are the ones you want there who are being loud, who are engaged in the game. The question I'm going to ask is, realistic, I mean, it's easy for me to say that hey, when the students show up, you know, and they're behind that bench, that does so much for this football team. I'm assuming because... I would imagine if, if I had, you know, 50 crazy kids and girls screaming like, where are we going, Rob? Great question, Rob. I'd feel good. Oh, I, I mean, no, you definitely like, would. You yeah. definitely would. So I'm assuming that the UH football team would as well. But as a player, from that experience, being in Halaba at Aloha Stadium and over your shoulder having a student section, how big is that for this football team? How big is it for a psyche? How big is it for inspiration? Huge. And I can't... You ever seen the movie Bird Box? I have not. Okay, so there is a pretty much invisible monster that you never see, but whenever you open your Spoiler eyes, alert. it takes Dean. over. Oh, it was one of the most like viral movies of the summer. I figured you watched it, but I'm sitting next to the world's busiest man in sports, so you probably don't get time to do anything. But the way that momentum can control a football game, it is... It is almost uncanny what I've seen momentum do. And this isn't just at the collegiate level. I mean, if you want to talk OIA, ILH, if you want to talk NFL, momentum is one of the most powerful aspects of a football game. And when players can run off that sideline and throw their hands up like this, and there's a thousand people right in the section you're doing mm -hmm. that to, and they're going crazy, oh man, that that just elevates you 10 times more than you throwing up your hand to a section full of orange chairs and you know for a fact they're not going to stand up because they're chairs, you know? I don't know. So, it's a lot stadium, man. I mean. <laughs> they might, you know? But no, I definitely think that student section is something that they should pound on keeping it as strong as they will. And especially when you look at who's coming to town from now on, you got... Air Force, Fresno State, San Jose State, which who we mentioned just beat a mm -hmm. SEC team at their house. Then you get San Diego State and the Army Black Knights who took Michigan mm -hmm. to overtime in Ann Arbor. So that student section is not only going to be a big part of the season, but it may be in some close games a decision maker. Mm -hmm. Because when you get out there on them third downs and you hear that, it is very hard to make decisions as a quarterback. It's very hard to hear audibles as a wide receiver, as an offensive lineman for the opposing team. So I believe a packed out student section is very, very, 
very important for this football team. Well, that section, the student section, the crowd's going to be against the University of Hawaii this week in Reno. One thing I want to mention, I saw on Facebook, it, you know, you have your group of UH superfans, uh, Wayne Coito, who is a UH superfan who travels to all the road games. He's there. I see him in the end zone of the, the south end zone every football game. Uh, I read that it is his 50th consecutive UH football game. And so that's on the road. That's a way that's going all over the place. I mean, I imagine Australia is in that mix, right? I mean, that would have happened within the last 50 games so congratulations to him big ups uh you know i'm sure the university of hawaii football team appreciates it uh that's awesome safe travels up to reno but when the bows get there they're gonna have in the back of their head that this is a nevada football team that the university of hawaii program has not beaten since 2007 on the road in fact that is the only road win in this program's history against the Wolfpack was in 2007 the miraculous perfect season that led them to the sugar bowl Sam Spangler, our boy, former University of Hawaii baseball What's pitcher, good, current KHON2 news anchor, and, and my former colleague here in the KHON2 sports department, he had this question. What is it with the Hawaii road woes? Why is it so difficult for Hawaii to win on the road? And, and I imagine that he's asking this question because he played baseball at UH. In baseball, you don't see that discrepancy as much. You, you go on the road and you beat the teams that you probably should beat and you lose to the teams that you probably should lose to and then sometimes you know things get a little crazy but with football there is a big discrepancy in the history of this program the university of hawaii winning at home losing on the road why is that in my honest opinion i just feel like it has a lot to do with the natural travel if you look at how most conferences are set up geographically they're probably sitting in maybe two time zones and with the crazy ones maybe three but being that Hawaii sits in its own time zone, the time differences of which kickoff is occurring, that's a kind of a big, you know, factor, especially when you realize football is the only sport where you only play one game a week. There can't be no football doubleheaders. There can be in basketball, volleyball, soccer, whatever. But the physicality of the game, what it takes on you mentally, the tolls that it takes, and the the rhythm that you set up while you're creating this mentality of becoming a football player like all of these things matter so uh practices at 6 a.m here which is 9 a.m in most places so when they go to kick off you know that discrepancy that time difference you feel it i remember when in 2016 we went to play michigan in ann arbor i woke up at 5 30 in the morning and i couldn't go back to sleep <laughs> so i had to stay up for nine hours and wait to finally play and you know even though personally i think i still had a solid game I mean, we probably could have put up a way better fight if they have to come out here or if they have to do that travel change or if they said, hey, let's just have a 6.30 a.m. kickoff. I mean, we know that's not going <laughs> to happen, but, you know, that would have fell more into our playing field. So I just feel like with football, with only getting one week a game, the amount of preparation, not only physically but mentally, gets thrown off once you have to change these three-hour time zones, four-hour time zones. You got to go to the East Coast, and now it's pretty much half a day going or coming. So I think that's one of the uh, biggest reasons. It's not an excuse. You definitely still got to handle your business on the road, so you can't use it as an excuse. But I do feel that's one of the reasons it's hard for the Hawaii team to go on the road and get victories. Well, we'll see if the University of Hawaii football team can win despite that here. This Saturday is the Open Mountain West Conference play on the road at the Nevada Wolfpack. Again, that kickoff is at 4.30 Hawaii time, and it will be nationally televised on ESPN2. RJ Hollis, 
Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having Loved me. Loved having you. We're going to have you here again. Again, you're watching Bo's Football Final at KHON2.com. You can catch it every Monday afternoon as we talk what happened the most recent week and what's coming up in the week ahead. Again, Bo's Football Final at KHON2.com. Thanks a lot for watching, everybody. Aloha.